Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome, one and all, to this edition of Man on the Post podcast. My name's Colin, and with me this week is Adam, Greg, and Tom. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hello. How are we all? Have we had uh, a good Easter break? Very refreshing. Uh, A nice rest. Any eggs? Too many eggs. Too many. Too old for eggs, apparently, now. I, I got told that I was too old for an egg, but I came home from work to one. So I, I think it's because I copped a bit. I didn't <laughs> yeah. Get... I did that, so my mum bought me a, gar- a bar of Galaxy. It's not the same, is it? You can no, have a bar of same. Galaxy any time of the year. And pro- I, I have a theory that egg chocolate is better than normal chocolate. It seems like sure what it is. more of it. Is that because your theory is based on the fact that you're paying about four times as much for it? Well, I, well, I'm not buying Easter eggs, so, <laughs> but I, I just like egg chocolate. I find better if I could have egg chocolate all year round. I would. Well, now's your time, Greg. Get down Morrison's stockpiling it. It'll be all discounted at the moment as well. One thing that does irritate me is this sort of what seems to be a growing trend of Easter egg plus cup. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in the cup. No, I want the cup. You want an Easter egg and then the chocolate bar that is associated with that egg. Exactly. Or the cream egg or something like that. I ended up. My dad bought me an Easter egg with a cup last last year, and um, then was a bit annoyed when I left said cup at his house. Because, like you, Colin, I had no interest in it. There you go, Dad. You can have the Cadbury's cream egg mug. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have Ross this week because uh, Ross has been busy having a baby. Um, well, should, Ross, we should be clear Ross that Ross baby. has had very little to do with the actual having of the baby. Uh, yes, that's true. It wasn't Ross himself. Um, the baby's name is Molly. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to, to, to Ross on uh, little Molly. I'm sure that will keep him... Uh, very busy in well for the next 20 years at least so <laughs> <laughs> well let's jump into the, the football action over the, the Easter weekend then we're going to start with the Premier League and we'll kick off with the Saturday games the key fixture that stands out from Saturday is obviously Chelsea 1 Sunderland 2 what are our thoughts on this is this game over for Chelsea and does this give Sunderland a lifeline they still remain rooted to the bottom of the table Jose Mourinho took it well though didn't he oh, I think the whole backroom staff at Chelsea took that <laughs> and they particularly well well Jose did hold back Rui Rui Faria 
I was going to say, his team. you said you were going to say like held back his emotions. I was like, that's <laughs> him holding it back. Well, we've seen what happens when he doesn't hold it back. Someone loses an eye. Well, I think maybe he was being a little sarcastic when he said uh, congratulations to Mike Dean. You think? <laughs> yes. You reckon? <laughs> Um, I think I think I think it's interesting from Sunderland when we were when we were talking at our, uh, only in last week's podcast and I, I said well but I wasn't willing to say they were relegated while they had those games in hand and since then they've played against Man City and Chelsea and picked up four points so I think that's a definite lifeline because they're points that a lot of people wouldn't have had them down for picking up. I feel a bit I feel a bit foolish for saying this time last week that they're down. <laughs> We've all made that mistake, Tom. They still are a squad capable of now going someone mid-table with nothing to play for and getting beat, though, aren't they, Sunderland? They're yeah, not the I most. Th- I think I don't know if anyone's got. The... Let me see if I can get their fixtures up in front of me. I'm sure they've got two games. They've got Cardiff next week. Is that Cardiff and they've got next West Brom? Uh, they've got Manchester United away, so there's one of the mid-table sides. They're home to West Brom and Swansea in their last two games. So if you've got Cardiff, West Brom and Swansea as three of your last four games. All at home. And a soon-to-be managerless Manchester United. You're definitely in with a shout, aren't you? Well, it's now starting to look pretty interesting down there, isn't it? It is, yeah. Just because you can now... A few weeks ago, you, you would say that there's perhaps three sides that look destined for the drop. But now you can make a case for any of them to stay up. Maybe I'd say, I'd even, say, even Norwich have got points on the board. I'd say at least two of those teams. That were, I, suggest, I assume, Greg, that you're talking when we're saying that we were talking about Fulham, Cardiff, and, and Sunderland. Yeah. And I'd say that you make a, two, a case for, for two of them have really had some life blown into them, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if both Sunderland and Fulham stayed up. And you never know with Cardiff, do you? They're either completely mediocre and not good enough for this league or they can pop up with a, res- with a result and you know they've taken four points from their last two games so there's a bit a tiny bit of momentum down in south wales as well i'm sure i'm sure this comes as no surprise to you though colin because you you were able to see firsthand just how good connor wickham was well connor wickham's now scored three goals in two hasn't he since he started to be played by sunderland um he spent all of the previous amount of the season on loan to Sheffield Wednesday, where he was quite prolific uh, and a bit of a fan's favourite down there. And then he moved to Leeds. I think he spent 29 days at Leeds. Um, so the special Connor Wickham shirt offer was a, was a great idea for anybody who subscribed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he didn't score at all for Leeds. Um, but to be fair, we did play him on the left wing um, and he was just used for long throw-ins. Um, but yeah, he's, he's come to Sunderland. I think he's trying to prove a point. You could ask questions about Poye, about why he wasn't recalled before. Um, but he seems to give given Sunderland a fresh lease of life. And and that's... I think that has always been Sunderland's biggest problem, hasn't it? Scoring goals. They always seemed very reliant on, on Fletcher, who hasn't hasn't really hit his straps this season, for, whether that be through, through injury or just, just performances. But... You you don't look in that team and see see people who are going to score you goals from other parts that, anymore either, especially from midfield. It's not Lee Catamol 
it, it doesn't strike you as some sort of got huge goal scoring midfielder, does he? It wasn't long ago that Sunderland looked like an absolute shambles away at Tottenham and were making Tim Sherwood look like a tactical deity, were they? And it's just an astounding turnaround. And it, it could be just that they have someone up front who's got a bit about them that's in form and, and they've got a figurehead up there to work off of. But in terms, in terms of Chelsea, I think that Mourinho was pissed, as we could all see. Um, I don't, I don't think he envisaged this being the, the day that he finally lost a league game at Stamford Bridge, especially not to this Sunderland team. And like we said, he he took it well, but I, I think that's probably them done in terms of the title race. Well, they're the next game, Liverpool Chelsea, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the problem is that they're still five point. They're st- they're five points off, aren't they? And even if they win that game, can you see, can you see Liverpool and Man City both dropping another another game? Remember, this is Liverpool. Yeah, but what what I mean is, that even if even if Liverpool do it, they then also need Man City to do it as well. And they're, they're starting to run out of games. And bear in mind, Chelsea have Atletico Madrid to worry about as well. Indeed. What well, do you did? There's some question about. I don't believe this for a second about Chelsea putting a slightly weakened team out against Liverpool. Um, I think they won't do that. I think they'll go hell for leather. Um, but I think personally, if Chelsea are going to win anything this season, then it's going to be um, got a better chance of winning the Champions League than they have the Premier League now. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I, but I, I think what for all Jose's annoyance and his his hyperbole about how angry he was at, at the end of the day is, is this kind of not what he wanted uh, it would have been nice for him to win but but he'll get his way now won't he he'll get the money to spend he can he prove it he was right all along that they weren't favourites and the squad isn't good enough and soon we'll see probably the arrival of at least one very expensively acquired centre forward very true well, let's move on to uh, another one of the high-scoring games on Saturday, which was Tottenham 3, Fulham 1. So a setback for Fulham in their fight to avoid relegation. Um, but Tottenham, you just don't know which Tottenham's going to come out. But but three goals for them from uh, Paulinho, Harry Kane and uh, Eunice Kabul. The one goal for Fulham came from Steve Sidwell. Well... There's that goal, but Steve Sidwell also missed a penalty in that game, didn't he? Which would have put them back in the game and could have made it interesting. But after after that penalty was missed, then Fulham heads went down and the game was over. Sherwood's another Sherwood's another manager on the edge as well, isn't he? Because you, I, I don't you you wonder how much of the the squad he's got. I don't think he's got he hasn't got all the fans behind him. It, Tottenham's just an absolute basket case of a club at the moment. Well, from from what I can tell from social media, he's gone, hasn't he? At the end of the season, that's him finished. I hope so. He's just. Well, I, 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 there was an interesting interesting tweet of a couple of Tim Sherwood's quotes that I retweeted earlier on today, which was Tim Sherwood in December saying that he said the reason he should he was Tottenham manager was because, and I quote, "I know what the supporters want." Um, so. And I believe on Saturday he was then quoted as saying, "Our fans screaming, why ain't Sandro playing?'" 
I don't know. <laughs> I think sometimes he's a little bit too honest. You know, he says things in press conferences conferences that he doesn't really have to say, and he gets himself into a little bit of bother. Let's move on to uh, another game then. No goals in this one. Uh, Aston Villa nil, Southampton nil. Uh, Southampton probably on the beach now. Uh, looking forward to uh, either a summer break or a World Cup. Um, but this isn't particularly great news for Aston Villa, is it? Uh, that leaves them on 35 points. Okay, five uh, above the drop. But uh, yet again, Villa failing to score. But no, Villa need to pick up the points, but I just, I think they will. Or just, if they don't pick up the points, I, I think there's enough teams below them who also won't pick up the points to to overtake them. What happened with his assistants this week? Do we actually know the reason for their suspension? I, well, I, I don't personally know, but it seems to be a decision made from the bullying, top. Bullying, wasn't it? I thought there was this accusations of bullying on the, the bullying on the training ground and... Cocaine and um, <laughs> well, but, but and um, and just like the, a, a, a sour atmosphere at the club. But I like the way that they didn't announce it as they didn't announce it as in a, in their press release as, as suspending them. They announced it as um, as the promotion of Shay Given and whoever the other guy was. And also, the the rumours are getting hotter and hotter about. Randy Lerner looking to sell Aston Villa as well. So again, there could be potential upheaval for for Aston Villa at the at the end of the season. That's true. Or if that if that was the case, do, do you think that do you think that Lambert would be on his way, or do you think he'd, he'd keep his job? It, it's a tough one, you know. I, I I don't personally know what to make of Paul Lambert. Obviously, he did a really good job with Norwich because he, he took them consecutive divisions up from from League One all the way into the uh, Premier League and then jumped ship to Aston Villa. Um, but he just doesn't seem to have done enough for me really uh, during his time at Villa. He, but do you not think he's done? A, I think he's done a really good job in keeping the keeping that squad up. He hasn't had a lot of money. He's had a lot of young, used a lot of young players, and sure, he had a bit of a poor season this so far. But he's of the money he has spent. When you look at the players he's bought, like Ron Var and well, especially Christian Benteke, he's not been great now. But I imagine that if they, even if they were to sell him, if he if he wasn't injured, even if they were to sell him, that they'd be recouping a lot more than their their outlay. And that seems what the, the, what Randy Lerner's after nowadays. He he's, he was done with bankroll in the club, and I think that that Paul Lambert's done everything that's been requested of him from from the brief he's been given. Sure, it might not be what Aston Villa fans want, but fans are always daydreamers, aren't they? That that's a really good point, actually, Adam. Um, now now you've said that, I mean, I. I take that fully on board um, I think maybe the challenge for Aston Villa is you know moving forward I can't really see them going much further up the league really I think they're always going to be sort of mid-table strugglers they've been sort of nothing club haven't they yeah they're not troubling anyone up the top and they they don't really look like they're going to get relegated 
we did just touch on there on cocaine, okay? And we should make it very clear <laughs> that there's no Mount of Post links between Aston Villa being the club that is linked to um, the use of Class A drugs. Um, this is this is a story that's reported. I think it was originally in the Observer, but also in the Guardian, that um, a high-profile club, a big-name club in the Premier League or the Football League, um, there's been found use of Class A drugs in the boardroom by officials, not staff, officials. Um, but the club hasn't been named, but the police are involved. So we should just point that out, really. Um, could be anybody. But it'll probably be Leeds or Portsmouth, because <laughs> it's always Leeds or Portsmouth. Yeah. OK, well, let's move on to the next fixture then. Um, move on to another club that's uh, down in the dumps. That's Cardiff City. Uh a 1-1 draw against Stoke. Stoke looking very safe. They're in 10th place um, at the moment. So a good season for, for Mark Hughes. But is, is it too little for, for Cardiff? That that leaves them in 18th on 30 points. Norwich are ahead of them in 17th, uh, two points ahead. I just, I just a quick note on, on Stoke. Like, I looked at um, uh, some some things I saw on Twitter was um, something from Sporting Intelligence, which was a graph about the um, about the points that that every Premier League team had picked up um, in the eleven games that Liverpool had gone unbeaten. Well, I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, unbeaten had won every game. So obviously, had Liverpool having picked up thirty three points in that time. Stoke Stoke had picked up nineteen, and there's only five teams who've picked up more points than them. Now, obviously, you'd, you'd expect Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool to be be those teams, Everton or another. The other's Crystal Palace, and th- and that's it. Well, we'll come on to Crystal Palace shortly. Um, any thoughts on this game? Thoughts on Cardiff and their survival hopes? Well, by the same by the same token, on this end graph, um, in those eleven games, Cardiff have picked up nine points, and that's the only team. Only three teams have picked up fewer. Uh, at the time that, that that this was, and they were Sunderland, Norwich, and Aston Villa. It's always easy to say this with hindsight, but as a man on the post team here, if you were Vincent Tan, would you have sacked Malcolm Mackay and replaced him with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? I think he had to sack, sack Malcolm Mackay, didn't he? I think I think he'd made his position between them, their relationship had deteriorated to an extent that his position was untenable. Good point. You're not just asking him not to sack, sack Malcolm McKay, you're asking Vincent Dan to completely change his, his personality. Well, we touched on Crystal Palace. Uh, let's move on to their match. West Ham nil, Crystal Palace won. Uh, that moves Crystal Palace into 11th place above West Ham on 43 points. You mentioned their brilliant record um, of late, Adam. Tony Pulis has got to be commended for what he's done at Crystal Palace, hasn't he? Everybody had doubts, I think, when he came in. Thought, oh, here we go again. Tony Pulis. But he's really sought that team out, hasn't he? They play some nice football as well. I think he has realised that the style that he deployed at Stoke that eventually caused the supporters to you know, fall out of love with uh, you know, his, his Stoke side. He's 
gone away, he's, you know, maybe realised that that's not the the brand of football he could could have succeeded with at Palace because of the players they have. Because you know, they have you know, good midfield uh, players. They've got uh, a couple of you know, tricky wingers like Balassi and and Punchin, and I think you know their ploy of getting the ball wide and then either the players cutting in or getting some balls into the box. It's a lot different to how he played at Stoke, but it's it's shown that he is adaptable and he's uh, versatile. And, you know, he has to be one of the candidates for manager of the season for the turnaround that he's performed at Palace. Well, I thought Crystal Palace were down and out, but uh, I doff my baseball cap to Tony Pulis on, on this one for, for what he's done with them. Let's move on now to the remaining uh, game that was played on Saturday, which was uh, Newcastle 1, Swansea 2. I think this is uh, Newcastle's fifth back-to-back loss. Um, Newcastle, because of what they did early in the season, are uh, very clearly safe. Um, But the three points for Swansea put them on 36 points in 13th place. They should be safe now, shouldn't they? They should be. I think... I think they there's not four teams below them that are all going to get to 36 points. They they've got enough points, I think. It's just annoying because I predicted them to go down in that last minute goal. Hmm. <laughs> Boney is a, a class act, isn't he? Um, well, I just like to, Tom. Tom said to me yesterday before he'd scored two goals uh, that Boney was overrated and not very good. I still think he's not that good. I agree with you, Tom. He's I, he's not. It's ever loads of players have a good scoring run in the Premier League. It's not the Premier League isn't that strong. Look at the amount of teams you've got. Stoke finishing in the top half. There's a lot of bad defenders, especially this season. The defending in the Premier League has been woeful. And there's a lot of players that have scored a lot of goals who are not special. But you can I think he score scores what you're put up against. I think he scores a lot of irrelevant goals. So, so you're not of the opinion then that someone might put a cheeky bid in for him? Oh no, definitely. I'm not saying that people won't 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 think he's really good, but I think that you could very well be looking at, and in terms of form, I think you could be looking at next season's Christian Benteke. As in lack of form. Yes. I, I very much agree with that. Or a Jelovic at Everton after his first season. That was Moyes' fault. It's always Moyes' fault. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at Boney's stats, they're, they're not too bad in recent years. I mean, he came from um, Vitesse um, in Eredivisie. So he scored, he scored 13, I think, in the Premier League this season. He scored 31 in 30 appearances last season. It, the Dutch league I know. nothing to go by. Afonso Alves averaged <sighs> over a goal a game in that league. The, the Dutch league, is, league is so difficult to gauge it by because like, for every Ruud van Nistelrooy or Luis Suarez, there is Kesman, Alves. Is that where Van Wolfswinkel came from? No, he came from Portugal. Right. Okay, so the the uh, 
the verdict verdict is out then on uh, Wilfried Bowen. Oh, no, I'm I'm signing signing with you, Colin. I think I think he's got all the attributes to to be a consistent goal scorer and maybe even at a, a better club uh, as Swansea, than Swansea. So I think we're too all at the moment. We'll let <laughs> Ross we'll let Ross decide when he gets back from having offspring and stuff like that. Well, let's move on to Sunday's games. Uh, the big game really that stood out was uh, Norwich versus Liverpool. Norwich two, Liverpool three. It's a little bit cagey for Liverpool, wasn't it, in the second half in this game? Classic Liverpool, wasn't this, this whole game? Classic Liverpool. Um, exploded out of the blocks, but then I think their problem becomes that they physically can't attack in the manner that they do for 90 minutes. And they get the, they get the lead that from, from coming out so quickly. They got their, their two-goal lead, and then they sort of they have to sit back a little bit and then that's what they're worst at they stop doing what they're best at which is their their brilliant attacking play and they start to sit back a little bit and then they concede and it gets a little bit nervy and the game starts getting a little bit stretched and it's to the credit of how good their attacking play has been that they haven't lost in 11 games because You'd think that if they continued in that manner, that eventually it would catch up with them. Well, what I would say is, I mean, Liverpool went 2-0 up in the first 11 minutes. And Raheem Sterling's goal was great. It was, it was a brilliant finish. But Norwich's marking for the first two goals was terrible. They just It was non-existent. There's too much space for, for Liverpool. Um, especially the, especially the, um, the Suarez goal. Well, this is it, and it seemed to be okay. Well, two 0 down. Now we have to start playing. Um, so, so Norwich, I thought, were their, their own worst enemy, really. That's and that's not good enough when you're in the position that Norwich are, is it? You can't. You can't. You, when you desperately need points, you can't start playing when you're two goals down. Exactly. I mean, apart from the obvious, I mean, it, it puts Liverpool in a commanding position. So Liverpool are on eighty points now, top of the table. They're five points ahead of Chelsea and with a better goal difference of 11. Um, City obviously have two games in hand, so so they can get themselves back to 77 points if they win both of those. We've uh, got Liverpool and Chelsea meeting uh, very shortly, uh, but what are our thoughts? Is, is this Liverpool's title now, or is it still a little bit too early to say? It's, too, it's not Liverpool's title, it's Liverpool's to lose. But as Tom said, they're Liverpool. They they could do it. And as as I think Tom said also said maybe two weeks ago, who who on that no one on that team has won a Premier League title probably despite Glenn Johnson. Oh no, Colo Torre must have won one. He must have won one somewhere. At Arsenal, well, and and City. So you'd have two. But. It's not, it's it's not a squad with a that's got a proven winning mentality, is it? That's not to say it won't. Yeah, lots of teams don't don't have that. If you look at that, that that was what people used to say about Man City. There, they have teams have to break that duck eventually. 
but it, it is definitely an unknown factor at the moment. Well, while we're on Liverpool, um, for me, Raheem Sterling is definitely on the plane to the World Cup for England. He's not just on the plane, he should be starting. Is that, is that, how, is that what we think? Yeah. You can't well, have if a... you, most, I think when we picked our um, starting lineups, I think most people had Theo Walcott in the team. Yes. And he, for me, it's just a direct replacement. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Tom. Not only for me should he be starting and, and he's, he's on the plane, but he's probably, I probably agree with the statement that Brendan Rodgers came out and said, I think even today or yesterday, that he's one of the best young players in Europe. And one of the most informed players in the Premier League. Especially if he gets to link up with Sturridge. Obviously, he's not going to have Suarez there, but it'll be a lot of help to him, I'd imagine, playing with a teammate that he's been so successful with this season. Well, not, not just being able to link up with Sturridge up front, but also being able to play alongside Steven Gerrard in midfield. And you never know Jordan Henderson. I don't. I don't know what Jordan Jordan Henderson's done enough for me to to be to be knocking on the door for, to start. He's in over Carrick for me at the moment. Yeah, probably me too, and that hurts for me to John say. John Flanagan. Imagine that down England. You've gone one too far. Right. No. You've gone one too far. Imagine England's left or right hand side a Sterling Flanagan duo tearing those poor Italians apart. Come June, can't you just picture it? It's going to be fantastic. Let's just send the whole of Liverpool there. Maybe put Ross Barkley or someone in just well, that's it. Well, maybe if we spontaneity. Just send, maybe if we just send Liverpool so Baines can go, Barkley can go. We're, we're struggling on goalkeepers, though. That's the only... Bill Jagielka. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, let's move on from, from Liverpool. Just a quick shout-out to Norwich. Um, do you think they're going to stay in the Premier League, or does, does anybody have serious worries about them? I don't think they're going to pick up another point, so it completely relies on teams below them. Football's an unpredictable mistress, is it? You'd looked at it and say that they shouldn't should pick up another point, and we've long been going on about this this um, this running they've got for what feels like probably half a season at least now. But I wouldn't be surprised if they pick just somewhere where you least where they least expect it, and they'll pick up pick up a point. Hopefully against Arsenal. <laughs> Hopefully for you. <laughs> okay, we touched on Arsenal then. So so let's have a look at Arsenal's game. Uh, Arsenal, clear winners over Hull. 3-0. Uh, obviously, this is uh, the two teams that are going to face each other in the FA Cup final. Go on, Colin. If you're going to do that, you need to mention that it's a dress rehearsal for the FA Cup final. Oh, is it a dress rehearsal, is it? Okay. Apart from it being in, in Yorkshire. But uh, yeah. Wembley being in London, but what I took from this game is just how important Aaron Ramsey is to Arsenal, and his reappearance has sort of it, 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 it's shown what's been missing when he's been injured. I don't. I honestly don't think it, it's. I think it's he brings pace to the midfield. So I don't think. For, I think it's the, it was the double blow of losing Walcott and Ramsey. So that all of a sudden Arsenal became quite pedestrian. Well, 
for me, I think Hull are probably safe. Um, Don't they need a is it a, a single point for them to be mathematically safe, or have I just made that up? No, in theory, they 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 need a few more. I think um, it might be it might be they need nine. Uh, They need uh, three points to be safe. But maybe Steve Bruce has done some sort of clever maths, and if you look at it, actually, all those uh, some of those teams play each other, so they can't all win. That that's very true. It's very true. I mean, I wouldn't. The same as Swansea, though, isn't it? They there's not four teams below them that are all going to get at least six points. Probably not. Probably not. You're right. Well, this is uh, three points for Arsenal that were important. That puts them back in the driving seat for that fourth Champions League spot. That puts Arsenal on 70 points. Everton are on 69. But uh, Everton made easy work of Manchester United. Adam, didn't they? 2-0 winners. Just, just no problem. They just, we'll just do the double over them this season. Don't, don't worry about it. No big deal. First of all, before we get into the game... I'd like your thoughts, Adam, on David Moyes' reception. It was a little hostile. It um, was a little hostile. And, do you know what, I, I sort of got a bit sentimental about it before the, before the game and hoped that he, he got a nice, a nice reception because I, I, I feel I felt he deserved it. But it's all about, it's not about just about what you've done, is it, when you're, when you're a manager at a club. It's also about how you leave. And... I think he did it quite unceremoniously. I don't think he did it with as much class as he could. And then mm-hmm. so it was the way he then started conducting his business and talking about the club when he was Manchester United manager, talking about how Leighton Bain should leave to further his career and making derisory bids for players. I think that's the stuff that's 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 the stuff that's sullied his reputation in the in the eyes of the fans. Not not just the fact that that of what's happened since he's gone with with Martinez. I don't think it's, I don't think it's it's, I don't think it's the the fans forgetting what he did. I think it's the fans disapproving of how he's acted. I I agree, Adam. So let's get on to the the action then. Uh, Leighton Baines scoring. I'm pretty sure it's his thousands penalty. Um, that that and he hasn't missed a single one of them. Um, <laughs> and uh, start, Kevin Morales starting to look quite good, isn't it? We got him, we got Lambert. Yeah, um, Gerard's been taking penalties for fun this season, so he's had lots of practice. We, we'll be laughing. I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but honestly, it's going to come down to penalties at some point. I'm sure of it. So how how was the match then? It could have been more, couldn't it, Adam? Yeah, probably could. Probably could. Um, Naismith missed two. Two ver- clear-cut chances. Um, Manchester United just didn't. I didn't. I don't know what the rest of you thought. I didn't feel that Manchester United troubled Everton at, at all. I'm not sure what the stat. I'm not sure what the stats were, but I'd, for shots on target, I can't have been that many for for United. Manchester United had two, two. on target. Uh, the Kagor effort and then that pitiful one-on-one that Rooney had, where it looked easy to score. Oh uh, yes. Well, well worth that 300 grand a week. <laughs> he really was abysmal. I don't want to pick on him, he kept, but he, he was, was dropping, absolutely he was tragic. But I, I, I was, I, I was that him. He, he should have been playing as the figurehead, as the number nine. But he was just, 
I think it was the, the players behind him were so poor that he just, you know what, we all know what Wayne Rooney's like. We've all seen him get get frustrated in a Manchester United, and, well, particularly in an England shirt, <laughs> when, when you watch him and you can just see him dropping deeper and deeper and deeper to try and, and get the ball because if it, if it, if people aren't going to give it to him, he wants to do it himself. And when he gets into that position, he becomes his own worst enemy. Adam, here's a, here's a question for you. Well, for anyone, really. How many of that Man United starting 11 would actually get into the Everton starting 11? Because I reckon man for man, Everton have got a better squad, better team. David De Gea is a better keeper for me. Yeah. Um, so you've got the, the back four, you'd have, I'd have all of Everton over Man United. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's a, po- a fit vintage, yeah, but yeah. If you're talking about it, on as a, they are. Yeah. If you're talking, are uh, talking about it as just now, and you're not, there's no sort of a, no long-term element to it. Then, then yeah, I completely agree with you. The only ones the, I could see three players from Man United that we get in the Everton team: Carrick, Rooney, and Matter. Um, where would Matter get in? He'd. You'd have you'd have to fit him in. He's... Yeah. Janazai? The uh Janazai. No, well, what's Janazai done that I proves think... him to be any better than Morales or I wouldn't even say Janazai's done enough to prove that he's better than Delafeu. It was just a question I was throwing out there. But um I'm not even sure I'm not even sure with the way that this Everton team plays that even even I'm not saying that that, that it, He's a better player, but I'm not even sure what Rooney would get into it, would he? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I'm not being... Okay. If you had to choose Rooney or Lukaku to spearhead your attack... Robin Van Persie. If he's fit, Robin Van Persie's the better striker. I'd put not him in. Fit. Well, well he's not... Discussion. Stephen Naismith. Exactly. Exactly, Greg. Exactly. But no, um, just to put a point on Lukaku, actually, during the, I thought he was absolutely fantastic during this game. I thought he showed his um, his ability to, to link up the play and, and not just be the person who scores the goals. He was he was winning absolutely every header and he was he wasn't just winning them, but he was finding um, he was finding the midfield players or, or Naismith with his flick ons and he was causing a lot of trouble. Well, well, let's move on as a, a little aside to Manchester United and specifically to David Moyes. Um, there was on the front row behind David Moyes. Um, I don't know what you call him. Is it like the Grim Reaper? The Grim Reaper, of course. Thank you, the Grim Reaper. Um, and it wasn't the guys with the turbans. I, I, they're normally they're normally behind the manager, Old Trafford. Are they? I wouldn't know. Uh, yeah, there is a couple of sneak guys who used to sit behind Alex Ferguson. They used to high five him after every win. <laughs> it became like a ritual. I think they're the reason they were so successful. They've done an awful years. lot less high five every yeah. <laughs> But as we record, uh, which is Easter Monday, there was a lot of rumours going around that David Moyes was going to get sacked. Now, For once we've been tipped off. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it seems that confirmation has been given that David Moyes has not been sacked. However, there's been no confirmation made about his future. When a club doesn't comment on a manager, current manager, that can't, that can't be a good thing. 
the fact that they yeah. haven't backed him straight away it tells you everything you need to know doesn't it yeah but I t- I t- an interesting little stat for you that might give some sort of headway into why he's in this situation and that is that since since the turn of the year so all in all of the games that Manchester United have played in 2014 they have lost 45% of them that, yeah, it, it's damning statistics. I mean, I would say there's uh, another side to the argument as well. I'd say that Robin van Persie hasn't been fit. He hasn't been the player he was last year. And I'd say without... But this is Manchester, this is Manchester United, Colin. You shouldn't uh, be relying on one player. Completely agree, completely agree. But I do feel that last season, whoever got Robin van Persie was going to win the Premier League. And it was Manchester United. Um, I'm just trying to be devil's advocate here. Um, to try and keep David Moyes in a job, um, it's it's looking difficult for him to stay on, isn't it? I know that in a previous podcast I was in a minority because I felt that Manchester United would be doing the right thing to stick with him. If you were the Glazers, would you persist with him? Would you give him the checkbook, let him go out there and spend, or would you look for another bigger name? I think the problem is that it's all well and good saying in, in that you don't want to sack managers and you give them time. But in if if you're there with the ability with the ability of hindsight to see that the appointment you've made is the wrong appointment, then what's the point in giving him time? And worst of all, if you know that your squad needs a massive overhaul, which is what something I've said on previous podcasts, why would you trust that person with the money? I think even even more of a problem. Are big names actually going to want to go there anymore to to play alongside Tom Cleverley and Chris Smalling? I think big names well, are actually going to want to just just for the name Manchester United. That, look, that look at look at Monaco money talks, and and I still think to some extent Manchester United gets you a gig in an England shirt. I still think the name Manchester United does count for a hell of a lot yeah okay now we're going to move on to the football league but just before we do that um there's something that i should have mentioned actually while we were talking about liverpool but i I don't know if you guys have uh, heard this this is a question to you guys on the podcast which liverpool player in the past week um had a video conversation with sir paul mccartney uh, ahead of one of his concerts any any thoughts what, current? Yeah, current Liverpool player. Right. Ooh. So Jordan Henderson's not busy for a couple of games, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a clue. The, the concert was in Uruguay. Now, do they have any good Uruguayans, Liverpool? Not sure. There's no, none I can't remember. Mm. What's that defender's name? Quartes. Yeah, it must be him. I'll put you out of your misery. It was actually Luis Suarez. Who? The, the, the fella up front. Oh, right, that one. Yep. Now, if you... Ha- you mean the guy, the guy with the high top fade? Yeah. I don't know what I a high know. top fade is. No, what, is, that, is that a new Sounds like a haircut. Yeah. It is a haircut. Yeah. Well, we, we've cut this bit out. We're not down with the kids, Adam. This has gone terribly wrong. It's like these people have never watched The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. What's that? No, I'm not. I know what it is. It used to be on BBC Two at six o'clock. No, that's younger. the Simpsons. Oh no, it's twenty past six. 
after the Simpsons. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> anyway, we. I mean, it's like it's like they haven't just done fifty years of BBC Two, Greg. I've got them all over the history of the schedule. <laughs> well, we, we, we slightly digress, but um, it, <clears throat> in case you haven't seen this, guys, Google it. Just Google Luis Suarez, Paul McCartney interview, and it's a video interview um, between Luis Suarez and Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney's talking in English, Luis Suarez is talking Uruguayan. Um, it looks like the video of Luis Suarez has been taken in a photo me booth. Um, and they're just having a conversation between each other. In different languages? Yes, but there is subtitles. So Paul McCartney's is subtitled in Uruguayan and vice versa for the other way around. But- but it, it's great. I mean, the, the opening bit is is Luis Suarez asks Paul McCartney a question. So it's Paul. It goes on for a long time. I didn't know you spoke Uruguayan. Yeah, what is it? Is it Portuguese I speak there? Or Spanish. Spanish. That's the one. So anyway, Paul McCartney's response is, Hi, Luis. How's it going, man? And it's, it's just sickening. That is spot on. Was that a good... Your, your Paul McCartney impression is spot on. Is it? it it's it, it's sickening in the extreme. It's really poorly put together. Um, it's worth a Google. It really is. Um, so, yeah, check check that one out. Luis Suarez isn't good at everything, then. That's what we've discovered. He's not He's not the Michael Parkinson of the Liverpool side. Not really. I, I don't know if it was done for like the Uruguayan Tourist Board or something because the concert's being held. I think it was in Montevideo. Um, but yeah, it was done a little bit on the cheap. But uh, yeah, entertaining all the same. We really should have more footballers uh, getting in touch with Paul McCartney. So let's move on uh, very quickly to uh, the Football League. Uh, there's been quite a bit going on. Quite a few teams that... Uh, are getting promoted. Greg, I believe you've got your eye on the ball on all things Football League. Uh, what's been happening? Well, I've been trying to keep up. We've had a busy week because obviously, unlike the Premiership, we have to play twice over Easter. Um, and it's been a busy week, particularly in the Championship. Uh, Burnley, well done to them. They will now be, you know, it's going down from the Premiership next season. Um, but yeah, they've been, they've gone up under Sean Dyche, which is a, Miracle, really, considering they were one of the favourites to um, to go down well, at the start of the season. Just on that, Greg, let's just not run over that too quickly. They, at the beginning of the season, they sold Charlie Austin to QPR, their, their top striker, and I had them down for being relegation fighters in the championship this season. And, and I don't know how big Burnley's squad is, but they must have a roster of around 15 decent first-team players. So what Sean Dyche has done there um, is a, a great job. And what makes me even happier about it is because the way he was evicted out of Watford when the Italians yeah. took over uh, and appointed Gianfranco Zola, that worked well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good to see uh, Sean Dyche doing well. And it's going to be another English manager in the uh, Premier League. Exactly, yeah. Um, Ings and Vokes. I think obviously deserve a crack at Premiership football the way they performed uh, as a duo 
this season. Um, yeah, hats off to Burnley and everything that you know, they've achieved this year. It's been a, it's been nice to see someone not as well fancied do so well against you know the teams such as QPR who have a wage bill bigger than British Dortmund and sides like that. So, yeah, well done, Burnley. Should we move on to other issues? Just a quick roundup. Yes, let's. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, what happened? Right. The playoffs are pretty starting to become a bit clearer now. Derby and QPR are sorted there through. Wigan are basically there. Uh, and then the last spot is all between Brighton, Ipswich, Reading, Blackburn, and somehow Nottingham Forest is still in there, despite losing what feels like every game for the last year. Uh, down the bottom, it's well, Yeovil have gone all but mathematically. Uh, I can see Barnsley joining them pretty swiftly. And then that last spot, it's one of it's one of five, really. Uh, Blackpool are in pole position to go down just due to the fact they, they never win. But Birmingham, they were appalling today, losing 4-2 at home to Blackburn. And Millwall, Doncaster and Charlton are all still in the mix as well. So that's basically <coughs> the championship in a nutshell. Is the, is the biggest battle in the, in the playoffs actually more to do with where you trying, finish, I think. Trying to finish third so you don't have to play Wigan. Well, I think Derby have got that sewn up. So it will be. I think the places as they are, uh, Derby have essentially got third sewn up. QPR have got fourth sewn up. Wigan have got fifth sewn up. And then it's and then it's all down to who gets that last spot. It could be any one of five or six. But I think whoever, whoever picks up QPR, I think QPR aside devoid of any real shape or you know input from on a on a tactical level which you know might be down to who their manager is but they <laughs> but they've probably all got huge um wage increases written into their contracts so you'll probably see them get very motivated yeah. all of yeah well right what else happened in the football league stevenage unfortunately they got they got relegated from i say unfortunately i don't care uh from League One, Wolves—they're—they uh, they are champions after Brentford threw away a two-nil lead uh, away at MK Dons today. So Wolves are going up. They've got 99 points from their 44 games, and they've you know walked that league as they should have. Uh, and then the playoffs—they're pretty much. I think it will be Rotherham, Preston, Leighton Orient, Peterborough. I think. So that's all done, and then down at the bottom, it's tight again apart from the bottom two Shrewsbury and Stevenage who have been cut off a bit Carlisle have, have gone adrift a bit but they've got a game in hand they're three points off safety and then you think it's two from Colchester Tramir Crew, Notts County and Carlisle and to tell you what Coventry aren't out of it yet they've been stuck on 50 points since about January so no it could be a, an interesting end to League 1 and then League Two, there's only one team to talk about in League Two, and that's Andy Orford's mighty Portsmouth, who have now made it five on the bounce, and are now looking at a top half finish in League Two. But it's you no know, progress, all the same. It's not being relegated. Um, down at the bottom of uh, League Two, Torquay looked all but dead and buried, losing one nil at home to Devon rivals Exeter today. But they turned it around and they kept their hopes alive. They're still five points off safety with. Uh, two games to go and they will probably they will be playing conference football next year but they've kept extra right in the mire down there and there's 
three teams on 47 points, Exeter on 49, and Morecambe on 50, Acton on 51. And you can see any one of those six teams going down. Portsmouth beat Northampton today and beat Northampton. Uh, beat Bristol Rovers on Saturday and those two are both on 47 points and by all accounts either of them sound that they they could go down up the top I think it's all pretty settled there again it's not particularly exciting the league football league this year Scunthorpe have won the league I think they haven't lost in 26 games they're just I think a point away from promotion and a win away from seeding the league title Chesterfield and Rochdale seem to have have second or third and automatic promotions tied up. And then in the playoffs, you'd think it's the four in there at the moment, Fleetwood, Burton, Southend and York, with I think York being the team to look out for just because how good they have been in recent months. And then to finish up, Luton back in the Football League after, uh, after a number of years struggling to get out of the conference. But they've done it this time around and we still don't know the second team because the second team coming up is through the playoffs. I think I think that is everything from the top five leagues of English football. And now we move on to betting corner. This is our usual betting section where we provide lots of very unsuccessful betting tips uh, based on uh, future football fixtures. The current standings are like this uh, Tom you're rooted to the bottom of the table on minus 230 pounds Adam you're on 190 Greg minus 51 Ross is on minus 47 and I'm on plus 11 so uh, let's get our bets for this week uh, we'll start with uh, you Tom what have you got for us today I'm hoping for another good week on the south coast I've got Everton minus one in handicap against Southampton. Southampton have got nothing to play for really, and Everton have uh, should be beating them, especially chasing that Champions League spot. And that's in a double with Pompey to win away at Bury. Five wins in a row now, so you never know. Finish the season on a high, and that double would return £135. Great, thanks, Tom. We move on to you, Adam. I've gone for both of these. I, I, draw no bet and I've gone for Chelsea to beat Atletico Madrid and Bayern Munich to beat Real Madrid in the Champions League and my £10 returns £58 Okay, very good Greg what's your bet for us I've got a uh, treble for next weekend I've got QPR to beat Millwall at home Preston to beat Gillingham at home and York to beat Newport County at home and £10 returns £46.50 Okay, thanks Greg now it's time for, for Ross's bet. Um, if I know Ross, and I think I do, uh, then I know that he would be especially excited about uh, putting his £10 on Leeds to beat Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday to beat Bolton, uh, two of his favourite Yorkshire teams. Uh, that returns £68.28. And finally, my bet for this week. I found it really tough to, to find any good value. I've kept it simple. As per usual, uh, Rangers to beat Air and Manchester City to beat Crystal Palace. £10 returns a miserly £16.80. So that rounds up this episode of Man on the Post. 
as always, uh, it would be great if you do like what we do and you want to give us a five-star review on, on iTunes. Um, if you do that, please get in touch with me and uh, we'll make sure uh, an exclusive man on the post fridge magnet uh, is winging its way to you. It is uh, a goodbye from me, so goodbye. Uh, it's a goodbye from Tom. Goodbye. A goodbye from Greg. See you later. And it's goodbye from Adam. Bye. And always remember to keep your man on the post. background <laughs> is he on the podcast today that's me you're Jamie Carragher what? yeah it's been a I've kept it for you all this time I, I'm going to mention this on the podcast as well when we hit the Liverpool bit but has anybody seen the the video of the interview between no no actually I won't I won't mention it I won't mention it actually because I'm going to give something away I'll do a little quiz on you <laughs> quiz not a quiz but it's just a quiz question it's not a quiz question it's just a question <laughs> this is changing every second yeah. it'll, it'll just be a statement in a minute <laughs> i've done that stupid thing where you put a beer in the freezer i've forgotten about it well the freezer's just stronger than i imagined i think and it's just <laughs> turn it into an ice pop beer ice pop that sounds amazing Bottle or can, Colin? Oh, can. can. So you can cut that open and then <laughs> you do have an ice lolly. Testing, testing. Someone say something. Something. Yep, there we go. That's it. So. <laughs> Is this a football podcast? Well, yeah, We every once in a while we do like to critique just popular culture and today we've chosen or a religious holiday <laughs> Easter confectionery next week's topic well, it'll, be, it'll be May won't it so May Day maybe we could have an in-depth dis- dis- um, debate on capitalism I'm, I'm unavailable for that one <laughs> does anyone fancy discussing League One no Paul estoy muy feliz de poder hacer esta entrevista contigo Hey Lewis, great to be talking to you man.